Part 3. Chapter 8. The great hall was cleared in readiness for a celebration. As miraculously as it had been turned into a laboratory, it now turned into a banquet hall. Lanterns and banners and silk canopies and ribbons were brought in. Tables and chairs were set for a tremendous feast. The royal gold and silver was polished until it shone brighter than ever before. Flowers were gathered. Great and exotic dishes were prepared. The Wangdoodle had ordered the greatest party in the history of Wangdoodle Land, and the palace staff intended to see that he got it. The king was beside himself with happiness, and the entire country rejoiced with him. Lindy was concerned about a dress when the subject of the party was first suggested. I don't have anything to wear, she cried in dismay. I can't go to a party in these old clothes. The Wangdoodle put her at ease. He commissioned a dress of ambrosia flowers for her, with a band of flutterby silk for her hair. New clothes were fashioned for the professor and the boys, and each was given a handsome cape for the occasion. By sunset, everything was ready, and the excitement in the palace was intense. The splinter cat was the first to arrive. He bounded into the great hall with tremendous enthusiasm and seemed genuinely pleased to see Lindy. He had brushed his silky fur until it shone. He wore a diamond bracelet around his tail. The Wiffle Bird was well enough to join the party, and for most of the evening she stayed close to Tom. The Oink came from the kitchens, and, for a change, he looked quite cheerful. He wore a smart, frilly hat which kept falling over his eyes. The Sidewinders wore their dress uniforms, with bright red shoes and golden stockings on their ten legs. The Proc surprised everyone. He arrived at the party looking resplendent in an embroidered frock coat and a silver trilby hat and carrying a long jeweled staff. You really do look like a prime minister, Ben said. The proc actually blushed. Oh, this old thing? I haven't taken out of the cupboard for at least 200 years. Lindy's flower dress was a triumph. Tom said candidly that she had never smelled so nice. The boys were handsome in their new capes, and the professor looked particularly dashing. The Wangdoodle had presented him with a gold laurel wreath, which sat with distinction at his vulnerable head. He had tucked his new crimson corduroy trousers into his purple socks, and, of course, he wore the cape and the special ring that the Wangdoodle had given him. By the time every jiffy and fluke had been packed into the hall, the place was filled to capacity. At the appropriate moment, the proc moved to a velvet-covered platform at the far end of the room, where there were two golden chairs. Above them hung a silken canopy and a burnished shield with the words Pax Amor at Lepos in an Iocando. The proc banged his staff for attention and his voice rang through the hall. Citizens of Wangdoodle Land, honored guest, your attention please. It is with greatest pleasure that I present to you His Majesty the King and His Lovely Queen. The entire congregation sank to their knees and there was a sigh of delight as the royal couple entered. The Wangdoodle's antlers were adorned with the royal jewels, and he glittered and sparkled like a Christmas tree. His shy and enchanting bride wore a simple diamond coronet. Everyone cheered. Love and happiness filled the entire room. The proc danced with Lindy. Ben was an instant success with the female jiffies. They thought him most handsome and plied him with sweets and paid him much attention that he had been quite embarrassed. Lindy was asked to sing, and she happily complied. Her sweet voice pleased everyone, and the splinter cat obligingly put his head in the punch bowl to keep from howling. The wangdoodle spent every second with his bride. He was unashamedly in love and very keen to impress her. 
At one point, his exuberance got the better of him, and he turned every color of the rainbow while dancing cabrioles and banging his new slippers together. Lindy said, Your Majesty, you're changing color. Is that flange? Yes, yes, flange, 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 the king yelled at the top of his voice. It's surprisingly simple this evening. Can't think why. The grand ball continued long into the night. Everyone agreed that there had been, they'd never seen such a party. The doors of the palace were opened, and dancing couples spilled out in the crystal courtyards and waltzed beneath the sparkling, starry sky. The professor sat quietly beside the royal couple and watched them proudly. The wangdoodle moved over to speak with him. My good friend, my dear, dear professor, he lisped affectionately, how can I ever thank you for what you've done? You have given me all that my heart desired. I'm glad, your majesty. That makes me very happy. Remember that your wife will need a lot of care. She is still fragile and needs to gain strength. Have you decided on a name for her yet? I thought that I'd leave that choice to you. Will you do me the honor and think of something pretty? We intend to have a quite, quite quiet christening in a couple days. The professor thought about it. I think that I would like the queen to be named something simple. She is the very essence of what my work is all about. I am most proud of the achievement. How about Clarity? Splendid, splendid, a lovely name. Claire, for short. The wangdoodle turned to his wife and said, My dear, the professor has thought of the perfect name for you. You are be to be christened Clarity. The little wangdoodle looked at the king and mum murmured, Umble dumbledum. The wangdoodle immediately turned crash pink. The professor smiled. What does that word mean, your majesty? It is a special term of endearment known to all wangdoodles. The professor smiled. Sire, this is one very important thing that I would like to discuss with you, and that is the children and the matter of their hats, the scrappy caps. It is imperative that you give them back to me. The wangdoodle looked uncomfortable. Couldn't we talk about that tomorrow? I'm afraid not. You see, tomorrow we simply must be on our way. Bother, the wangdoodle fell silent for a moment. He looked up. I don't want you to go, you know. Oh, your majesty, we don't want to go either. I know it will be... Somehow get out that you came to see me. That will be the beginning of the end. Life is so wonderful now. There's more reason than ever for me to protect it. The king looked worried and dispirited. I don't see how I can possibly let you go. But, sire, think of the children and their family. It would be unfair and not at all like you if you refused to allow them to go home. It is important that they continue to live their lives as they were meant to live them. Consider how you would feel if you were separated from your wife and were unable to see her again. Oh my goodness, the king turned white. I do see what you mean. But humans aren't to be trusted, are they? Might I suggest you start learning to trust again, your majesty? You used to, in the old days. Why would any of us want to spoil this life for you? We'd be, destro be destroying the very thing we've come to appreciate and love. I shall miss you, the wangdoodle's eyes grew moist as he blinked several times. We will miss you too. Will you come back and visit? Professor spoke sincerely. You have only to send a word. Yes, good, the wangdoodle beckoned to the proc. Proc, old boy, fetch the hats, the scrappy caps. The professor and the children will be leaving in the morning. Also, have the jolly boat brought up. I want to escort them home. Everyone turned, off, turned out to see them off. It was a sparkling, fresh morning. The jolly boat moved down the Golden River with the professor and the children in the proc and the wangdoodle aboard. Clarity stayed behind at the palace in order to rest for her royal christening. The children felt mixed emotions of happiness and sadness. It was good to be going home, but sad to be saying goodbye. 
They brightened, however, when the professor revealed that the Wangdoodle had extended an invitation to come and visit again another day. As they sailed along, they made good use of the royal soda fountain. Having eaten their fill, the children reflected on all the exciting things they had done and the wonders they had seen. Lindy looked at the mountains and remembered the Gaiasticus and wondered how she had ever managed to pluck up enough courage to cross the bridge for the professor. Ben saw the needle rock and thought how they narrowly had missed being caught by the splinter cat. Tom recalled his valiant dash to catch up with the brain strain. Each child concluded that every danger, every challenge, had finally been worthwhile. The wangdoodle was deep in conversation with the professor. I'm going to tell you a secret, he confided. The proc said never to tell anyone, but I want to tell you. When all the other wangdoodles disappeared so many hundreds of years ago, is because humanity chose to forget them. The only reason I was able to stay alive in this dread, these dreadful times was because I was certain that somebody, somewhere, still believed in me. I thought you might like to know how good it feels to have my faith justified after all these years. The professor was so touched he was unable to reply. The wangdoodle continued, I don't suppose you could stay on, could you? I understand about the children having to go, but couldn't you stay? I'm afraid not, your majesty. There's a lot of work for me to finish. Hmm, I was just thinking that I could use your advice. I mean, I've never been married before. I hope I'll be able to look after Claire properly, you know, be a wise husband and everything. I don't think you'll have any problems, your majesty. Just love her very much, as she obviously loves you, and you'll find all the answers you need. Never fear. The jolly boat pulled into its mooring on the Blandlands plain. The children and the professor said their goodbyes. It was a sad moment. There was a sudden flurry of feathers, and the wiffle bird appeared out of nowhere and flew straight onto Tom's shoulder. She screamed, Mayday! right into his ear. What is it, wiffle bird? What is it? he gasped. She made frantic little sounds and hung onto his jacket. The proc stepped forward and said wisely, It is because you are leaving. Come along, wiffle bird. Thomas will be back another day. Of course I will, said Tom bravely. He lifted her off his shoulder and handed her gently to the proc. Now, you take care of yourself, dear, dear Wifflebird. I'll see you soon. He turned away so that she could not see his distress. The professor glanced at the children, then looked at the wangdoodle. He gave a meaningful nod of farewell. The children suddenly felt the world beginning to spin, and the familiar dazzling light surrounded them. Almost immediately, they found themselves back in the professor's garden. The professor said quietly, You'd better hurry on home. Ethel, be Ethel will be waiting for you. Lindy flung her arms about him. Oh, Professor, thank you for the best time ever. It was wonderful. Will we see you soon? Yes, I'll be here from time to time, though Washington will be my base. I'm not going to be the same without you, said Ben. Good heavens, you can't have life handed you on a platter every day, said the Professor. That would be very boring. There'd be no satisfaction in it. You shouldn't be needing me at all for a while. You've learned your lessons well. Look around you. Don't you see things differently now? The children gazed at the garden and the familiar house and the sky above and realized they were aware of every detail, every color, every texture. It was hard to believe there had ever been a time when they had not seen the world with the same clarity. The professor put his arms around them and said firmly, Listen to me. You have all the tools, all the equipment necessary to make your own world as wonderful as Wang Doodle Land. So how about trying? If you set a good enough example, you could start a fashion. Think of the favor you'd be doing the wangdoodle. You might be persuaded to visit one day. You might just stay around if we all tried hard enough. 
It's up to each and every one of us. Now be off with you. I love you, and I'll write you a long letter from Washington.